Welcome to Seasons of Resilience. This podcast is for anyone who goes through challenges, difficulties, and loss, but recognizes that life is lived in seasons. We'll engage in comfortable and uncomfortable conversations. We'll share about the good and bad, the ups and downs, just how life is. To everything, there is a season and a time for every emotion that is experienced. Enjoy these stories of resilience. Today we are having a conversation with Maria Gracia Rivas Berrier, also known as MG Rivas Berrier, music therapist at Children's National in Washington, D.C. Welcome, MG. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> We're so excited for our conversation. I would like for you to um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, and then we can dive into talking about your experience with grief, your story, and everything that has you have gone through the past few months according to to that to, to your losses. Mm-hmm. So I am um, a music therapist, as you mentioned, at Children's National. Um, I work for the Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. Um, It's a full-time position. And being in the Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders, we work with a lot of immunocompromised patients. Um, So when the pandemic hit, it not only brought a lot of uh, uncertainty. I know we're using the word a lot, but a lot of uncertainty to my personal life, but also to my work life. Um, and we so often, or at least I so often used to think of grief as people we lose, especially working in a hospital. But what this pandemic has made me realize is that, and it made me realize is pretty hard. It, I've been feeling a lot of grief in relation to events and they're directly associated with people I love, and they are also tied to big plans that you could say I had for 2020. Um, so to give a little bit of background, I will, got engaged to my now fiancé in September of 2019. Um, we've been together for almost seven years now, and we were going to get married in May. Um, uh, May 15th, 2020 was the date. Um, and so the pandemic hit and it wasn't just our original wedding date that, you know, that got pushed. Um, it was everything that we had lined up for 2020. So we were supposed to get married in May. We were going to go to Norway, uh, that summer. Mark's parents, Mark's mom is, Mark is my fiance. Um, his mother is Norwegian and they have a home in Norway and travel to Norway every summer. Um, and so this was going to be my first year visiting and they're a lot older. So this was going to be a really good year because we don't know how much, um, time people have to travel. Um, and then we were going to go on our honeymoon to Peru, which is where I'm from. Uh, to Machu Picchu, because I've never been outside of Lima. But also, 
went while landing in Lima, um, we were going to go visit my grandparents. And so that all of those big plans got pushed. And so at first we pushed it to September, not knowing what was going to happen. And, you know, it is now <laughs> October and not a lot has changed. And we pushed it again to March. And in addition to that, at the very, I would say the first six, six months of the pandemic, um, I didn't see my family. I don't have a lot of family in the United States. I have my, my dad's in California, my mom's in Virginia, and my siblings are in Virginia. Um, and also step-siblings of Virginia. But I didn't see anyone really because I didn't really feel comfortable um, exposing myself and exposing my patients because there was so much unknown about this virus. So my social interaction was very much limited to Mark, <laughs> which is great, but you know, we need a little more um, than just our partner. And my brother who has autism and lives in a group home was also affected by this. He wasn't able to get visits for a very long time. And so six months post-pandemic, I was finally able to visit him. But now, as the holidays are approaching, we are also being faced with the realization that he's not going to be able to come home, just based on the rules. And with all of these shifts and the unknown and the plans that were moved, I was feeling a lot of grief. I was feeling a lot of guilt at the same time for not being able to um, see my brother I was feeling um, an overwhelming feeling of sadness um, and slight anxiety in certain moments. Um, and they would come in waves. It wasn't, it wasn't like the pandemic hit and I was like, I am devastated by all of these things. They all, it all kind of came as the May date approached. I burst out in tears one time. Um, then... We, you know, thankfully didn't have anything that we had purchased for the honeymoon. But as each date got closer, that's when the next wave would hit me. Um, and that also had to do with the fact that it meant I wasn't going to see a lot of our friends and family, which was going to be in the wedding. So all of these relationships that I have and I had been looking forward to really led to, you know, feeling just completely devastated come May. Yeah. I feel like we've, or I at least have been um, experiencing that and or witnessing that um, because you're, you're very open about that on your Instagram. And it's just um, as also as a pandemic bride myself, <laughs> um, I can empathize with, with some of those feelings and, and heartbreak because mm -hmm. when you think of a wedding and especially you've been with your partner for so long, I mean, there's so many things involved in it. Not only like how beautiful it's going to be or the dancing, which is as, as important as other, many other things, but all the time that you put into it, all the... Mm -hmm. I don't know, just the effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, each each event is not just an event. It's so many things, right? You said it right. It's it's the first dance. It's the dancing with the um, 
with your father or mother, whoever you're planning to dance with, it's that we had um, planned our, you know, our vows or each specific moment in relation to that specific date. So in order to cope a little bit, we had a fake wedding (laughs) in May, which, and that's because I was so extremely sad when May 1st hit that I knew that not acknowledging that date was only going to make me sadder. And that's really, I was able to look within and think, what do I, what do I personally need? I think a lot of people might have needed to completely ignore that date and go as is. I needed to acknowledge it and make a celebration for it so that I could move past it. Because the new date in September, which is no longer, um, didn't really mean that much to me because I had my heart set on May 15th and we have a little countdown in my living room and each day I changed the date and then to have that go from, I don't know, 20 some days to over a hundred days again, twice, was just so heartbreaking. So we had um, a little fake ceremony for with just the two of us. Um, walked in with the same songs into my living room. I wore just a a little short white dress and I put on my real veil. Um, My mother um, had given me a gift that was set for May. It actually had the dates engraved. And so she dropped it off for this little fake ceremony. It's a handkerchief with some beautiful words in Spanish sewn into it. And it has the date. And I was getting ready and I was super excited. And then I read that and I burst into tears. I share that with Instagram too, because I think it's, you know, another thing that's really helped me cope is to connect with others through social media, which I believe can be a beautiful thing when used correctly. And I wanted others to, to, I wanted to normalize the feeling of sadness over an event because I know that in our society, So many people try to make others feel better um, through telling them, oh, but at least, at least this is what I've been hearing as a COVID bride. Um, At least you guys have each other. At least your wedding will happen eventually. At least you two love each other. And it made me feel very invalidated, which is why I had even more fuel to share, you know, the many aspects of um, grief, uh, tied to an event and not a person yeah and with with people saying those things too it like it takes it 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 almost like it takes you out of the picture and you're like okay well that's what you think but I'm over here dealing with all these feelings and it's as if they're not here it's like like maybe a way for people to think about it differently maybe in their shoes is like say you have your birthday coming up and then your birthday comes up and someone's like oh just kidding we're not celebrating you today we're going to celebrate you in like a few months oh just kidding we can't do that either and so it's like that it's like it's like the universe is taking away your special day and it's like it's so not fair And of course you still have each other, which is amazing. But like, there's so much about that celebration that's now just like fallen apart, I guess. And I, and I think people mean well, they just don't know what else to say, really. Um, 
but at the same time, they're not thinking that it's completely invalidating my feelings. So, you know, sharing with people how, how to, you know, the, the right, there's no right thing to say, but at least to just, you can validate me by saying, yeah, that completely sucks. And so the people that have really made me feel better are other COVID brides. I have a couple of girlfriends that were supposed to get married this year and, um, they're going through all the motions and they're feeling a lot of similar feelings, even though we might be feeling them at different times or at different intensities. That's been something that's also allowed me to um, get through those really hard days. And of course, talking to my family and talking to Mark and making, um, you know, each month special. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's so cool that you had your as you call fake wedding, (laughs) because that's like, that's so honoring for your soul and for like everything that you put into dreaming up this day. And now, now you have, you still have that day and that day is like still special for what it is and, and what it holds for you. Absolutely. And we look back, um, at that, at those pictures and at those dates. And that's something that we will be able to think of positively. Um, because we went through these waves of, of sadness, now we have this beautiful experience. We had a lot of fun that day with just the two of us. Um, and that's something that really I've been able to apply throughout this whole pandemic. Mark and I have made um, little events within our living room that have made each month slightly better than it would have been had we not mark was supposed to have his bachelor party um in march which was right as the pandemic hit and so um everything he had planned um i kind of stationed each room in our little apartment as what he had planned and that was really fun (laughs) and then we yeah and it's been you know it's been really nice to be able to do these creative things too And we didn't feel comfortable up until recently um, with going outside to restaurants. And so I so badly was craving a winery and we just didn't feel comfortable yet. And so we stationed a winery tour in our apartment and had, yeah, it was so fun. We had each country, we bought wines from specific countries and then assigned each country to each different part of our of our house and played music from each different country every time we traveled to a different place. So it's been, it's been, you know, doing the best with what we got. Yeah. And, and I feel like that the little wine tour kind of echoes, um, all of your plans around traveling too. And like, that's just, you know, it's not, it's, you're not just grieving, the single event you're grieving everything the traveling the family the relationships the new places um even like you know simple something as uh, simple as like breathing in air from a different part of the world and bringing the culture into our home it's you know as you said not the same but we are doing the best with what we got, calling family members, FaceTiming them, and really trying to connect, even if it's through a screen, because I, I, I know we're hurting, but I believe, you know, my parents were so much looking forward to this date as well, so I know they're grieving too. Um, 
as are other friends and family members. Mm -hmm. So now the new date for your wedding mm -hmm. is... March 14th, 2021. And we've decided that no matter what's happening with the pandemic, maybe we have to transition to virtual something. But, you know, we have shifted all of our plans to get married, go to our honeymoon, start a family. All of those plans have continued to be shifted. And we are at the point where the wedding will happen and it'll just look a little bit different. But we are still going to celebrate the fact that we are finally getting married and we will continue with our family plans as as best as we can. So watch out world. I'm getting married next year. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Oh, that is so exciting. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think it's important to, to share this, to share your story. Because, like you, I have also connected with so many brides online because I, I got married this year. And, you know, it's, it's been um, devastating, all the, the changes. And even... I, Even I got married and I and I'm still grieving the things that I could that I couldn't have that I that I thought that I was going to have, like my family. I ended up having a um virtual guest. Um but I, I just think it's so important to to normalize it, like you said, and to say yes, it's very sad. Very, very sad. But you know what? You're not alone. And the more we normalize it, I think, the more it will validate what people feel without whether they want to externalize what they're feeling or not. And knowing that we all feel different things throughout this grief. I, I know that there were moments when I was feeling really sad. And then two weeks later, I was feeling really happy because we were doing these events at home. To also normalize joy within a time of grief is really important, too, because a lot of guilt comes when you're feeling joy and you are thinking like oh wait a minute I I was just sad a couple of weeks ago like what's happening should I continue to be sad and I think normalizing that we as humans are very complex and have a wide variety of feelings and they are all okay whatever we are feeling in that moment it's important that we acknowledge and honor our feelings that's so good that's so important like even I know sometimes like It, it's hard for me to let myself feel joy when people around me or people like that I'm friends with online are, are not, are, are grieving something really heavy. And then I'm like, oh, like, like I want to cry with you, but I'm actually feeling really joyful right now. And maybe I can somehow hold those together at the same time. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's space for both. I think there's space for grief and there's space for joy. I don't think... I don't think any of them cancels each other. I think they can they can both coexist. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's what Inside Out, the movie, taught us yes. to begin with. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't We have can't one without the other. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's been so essential. I feel like as music therapists um, and as humans in general, we try to focus on our resources and our coping tools and we use them sporadically as life you know happens but with this pandemic we have almost been hit with this wall 
head on where we have had to use those resources probably more consistently than we've had to in the past. And speaking of that, um, other or in addition to honoring the special dates and special um, events that you were going to have, how else have you been um, engaging in self-care or in, in ways that, and re- what other resources have you used to cope? Mm-hmm. So um, two years ago, I started taking care of myself physically, um, which I hated. But I knew that it was a necessity when I was realizing I was running out of energy at work. And now that's become a consistent thing. So during this whole time of grief, I've really um, allowed myself to continue with having a routine while I felt like I was running out of my routine when the pandemic hit. Um, I made a point to be really conscious of the little control I had. And for me, that was working out in the mornings to energize myself um, so that I could take care of others, right? Prioritizing my physical and mental health before I stepped into the hospital to be a container for other people's emotions. Um, I've really focused on being mindful of my own feelings and turning to resources that will allow me for emotional release. Um, When I'm feeling like I need a good cry, and I know what that feels like for me. Um, I, If I need an extreme cry, I will turn to a specific scene of The Notebook, uh, which is the one where she remembers um, who she is and who Noah is and then forgets right away. And then she gets a little bit, um, ups- well, really upset. And they have to calm her down with uh, a shot. And that scene always makes me ball. And when I need a good cry, I I own the movie, so I will go to that scene, cry out everything I have inside, and then I'm able to move into a different space. Um, I have specific songs that make me um, feel specific ways that are almost like in the back of my head. Um, So I will play a song that will kind of express how I'm feeling and then move into a different space with a different song. So if I'm feeling really stressed out, I might, um, or if I'm feeling kind of, yeah, I I would say stressed out or almost, I don't want to say numb because I feel like that shares that I don't have a lot of feelings, but sometimes I just need, I don't know how to express myself. I will sing and play a song by Voxtrot called Whiskey and Water. Um, And the lyrics at the beginning is, please send me a sign send me up against the rain. And then it talks about a little bit of grief and feeling everything you're feeling in the moment. So I will sing that. And once I get that out, I will turn to Mark and ask him to sing a song with me so that we can really connect. And um, he knows that he's doing it for me. So really turning to music in order to express myself and really using resources that we use as music therapists, but for myself. Um, I've also been making a point to... Um, have virtual dates with my girlfriends. Um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, a group of us would have virtual brunch dates on Saturdays and make PowerPoint presentations of silly things. So I would look forward to Saturday all the time just for that. So just rebuilding little schedules within the uncertainty. Um, and uh, one thing I've really been working on this year is setting boundaries. Um, I'm also a fitness coach on the side. And so when I'm not in the hospital, I'm, you know, in a way responding to other people in my studio. 
um, that I support. And so setting boundaries for my phone, setting boundaries for my social life with my friends, saying no to virtual hangouts because eventually we can get to Zoom burnout as well. Um, And setting boundaries with what I think is fun. Sometimes I tend to go overboard. I use television as a form of self-care because we're always thinking 24-7. And when I get home, the last thing I want to do is think some more. So I'll turn on some silly reality TV show for an hour and then that's a good way to decompress and de-stress. But I also need to set boundaries within myself because otherwise I'll just be on the couch 24-7. And so setting boundaries for others and for myself has been really crucial during... um, this time. Wow. That's awesome. You gave us like so many good tips (laughs) and good things to think about. (laughs) Feeling inspired myself. I know. I I'm like, okay, what do I want to do now? (laughs) Yeah. What song are you going to sing next? Right. (laughs) I think, I think it's so important as music therapists that if we like music, Um, If we feel connected to music, we don't have to be playing it for ourselves, right? What feels right to you is what is right for you. Whether it's honoring your feelings through listening to a song that reminds you of a loved one or that really honors how you're feeling or maybe um, not even utilizing music at all, but a way, something that allows you to express yourself without having to use your words sometimes is really nice. And so turning to what you know will help you or trying new things until you feel that, okay, this feels right for me is really important because it's not one size fits all. You know, a lot of people love journaling and I've tried journaling and I enjoy it, but I don't love it. So I know that I'm not going to turn to that when I'm extremely stressed. When I'm feeling antsy, I might turn on a workout video while somebody else might be doing yoga. I like to do more of active things to get all of that energy out. So just knowing what will work for you is so important. But part of that is also trying different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, 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 you know, experiencing grief myself too, I found that it, I found joy in doing that and experiencing new things and trying new things. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, I mean, I don't know. It it sometimes it can be annoying. I mean, but but for the <laughs> most part, it's, it can be fun too. Say, well, I try that, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and then you can say no, and I, and I don't like it. So mm-hmm. That's okay. Move on to the next thing. Absolutely, and I think it's so important to remember too that our brains are designed to uh, protect us. So anything that is new, your brain is going to be like, nope, this sucks. This is not good. Move on. And so whether that's working out or meditating or, you know, coloring or anything, anything that you bring into your new routine, your brain's going to be like, quit, 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 just because it's, it's going to tell you to go back to what's comfortable. And we also have to be honest with ourselves when that level of comfort is not really serving you um, the purpose that it has, you know, comfort is good up until a certain time when you need to go out of your way to really do what is going to bring you that physical, mental, and emotional balance. Um, And I think that it's so important to try different things and then try it for a couple of times. And then deep down, you will know whether you don't like it because it's hard or whether you don't like it because you just don't enjoy it, right? So I think it's totally right. Like we all as humans are here on this earth. So why not try as many things as we can until we find our groove? Yeah. And I love how you brought up that um, what's really helped is having the routine of the Mm -hmm. different things that you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, we're going into the hospital three times a week and working from home twice a week. So that was a big change. And I had to use that boundary setting to really allow myself to work during um, the working from home hours because I've never had to do that. So that was really new. But um, instead of setting the boundaries to really make sure I apply myself, I found myself working more hours than I needed to and checking my email at night. And so working from home wasn't the typical, ooh, I'm working from home that people love. It was almost like overworking from home. So I also had to be like, okay, MG, it's five o'clock. You've worked. If you were at the hospital, you'd be walking away typically. Or, okay, it's your lunchtime. You don't have to be working while you're having lunch. It's okay to go out to the balcony and enjoy, like, taking advantage of um, the fact that you're working from home and you should be working, but also having that balance. Such a good conversation. Yeah, I'm loving this. So is there anything else that you wanted to share um, as far as your resilience throughout this whole time? Like, I I just want to say, like, you should be so proud of yourself for, like, everything, not only that you've been through, but, like, how you've gotten yourself through it and and carried yourself and and the things that you've done and been able to do and found that work for yourself like thank you kudos to you that's that's really awesome thank you not an easy thing to do no thank you I think a lot of of that is that I had people to rely on it I wasn't just doing it myself and so often we think of strength as resilience as something that we should innately have And I think that's um, crazy. (laughs) I think that it's impossible to think that we can get through this life without relying on others. Um, I think it's very natural to say, hey, I'm struggling. Can Can you talk with me on the phone? Or, hey, I don't know what to do. What are some tips you might have? And really relying on friends or even sometimes acquaintances. Sometimes a lot of the time, acquaintances that you have barely spoken to can turn into um, the biggest team you might have, you know, and you guys were saying that you met over the internet and now are so close. Um, there's so many beautiful friendships that are being formed right now during this pandemic through a screen and really relying on your friends that you already have or some new friends or whoever you live with, um, is really important. So I've been able to really rely on the community that I have through, um, you know, my fitness studio, also through my work. I've been able to rely on my coworkers a lot since they're going through the same things. And as we mentioned, COVID brides and all the resources that I have. Some tips to give out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should I do that? Let's or hear no? your tips. Sure. Um, I feel like I've, I've been given them. But um, some tips that I would give to other people during this pandemic would be to try, if you can, to create a routine, even if that routine is waking up at 7 a.m. If that's one thing you can cross off your list, you should be proud of yourself for that because sometimes that's really difficult during a pandemic. So even creating a loose schedule, I feel, gives you a sense of normalcy again. Um, I would say to also think of things you're passionate about And you don't have to turn them into a big project, but you can definitely turn them into something within your schedule. So if you've always thought about, you know, um, painting, 
maybe uh, once a month on Saturdays, you can sit down and paint and give you a little bit of, of that interest, of that thing that you're passionate about back. I think also, as I mentioned, prioritizing your physical health, whether it's through a walk or um, whether it's through some dancing. Um, you know, really getting those endorphins is really important. And to make time for people that really uplift you. I think that's been really important too. You have to, it's not going to come to you um, because we are all extremely busy. So you have to make time for whatever you choose to prioritize. So my best friend and I schedule um, phone dates once a week. And that's one thing that's also kept some routine when I'm driving in the car, I call her. Um, Making time, Mark and I, you know, try to make time for each other because when he's working from home and I'm working from home or I'm coming from the hospital, even though we are under the same roof, it doesn't mean that we are always together, even if we're physically together. So making time for each other with these little dates within the house or knowing when to put our phone down and just really being present. I don't know if they were actually tips. <laughs> those were, yeah, those are excellent. And I, one thing that stuck out to me is... Um, you were talking about doing things that you're passionate about and not needing to turn them into projects. Because for me, what always happens is I get interested in some sort of craft or hobby and then it becomes like a business or it becomes like this huge like home project. And I need to remember like, just do this for fun and for nothing else, like just for fun, just for you in this time frame or whatever it is. And if it turns into a, into like a business thing and that's what makes you passion in that moment, that's okay too. But then if you do a craft and you're like, this is beautiful, I'm going to put it on my nightstand and I'm done. I think that's also so important too, just being honest with yourself. Yeah. And like recognizing when it's like for you and when it's for other people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we have um, one more question for you. So we'd love to ask you, what will you take from this season of resilience into the next? Um, I will take uh, <laughs> continuing to prioritize my physical health as it's brought me a lot of clarity um, during this whole year. Continuing to um, prioritize boundaries or focus on boundaries because I've always struggled with saying no. Um And I think I'm also going to, you know, resilience is something we're going to need for the rest of our lives, really, not just during this pandemic. So continuing to um, make time for my loved ones, but also for myself. So that goes along with the boundaries. Yeah, I feel like your entire, you know, what you've, everything that you shared with us and then what you're taking into the next season is all about prioritizing you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people feel guilty about it. I, I see a lot, of, I have uh, friends that have kids and they're like, no, my children are my priority. And that's totally, absolutely fair. But I also think of what I tell um, a lot of the parents of the patients that I work with, that you can't pour from an empty cup. So if we don't take, even if it's 10 minutes in the day to prioritize you, how are we expected to take care of others? You know, we are as important as our loved ones. And if you're not doing it for yourself, then do it at least for the people you love. 
like prioritize yourself for others so that you can be the best version of yourself, like love yourself so that you can be the best version of you. And I think that we need to throw away the stigma that prioritizing yourself is something um, of vanity or, you know, being um, people a lot of the times think that setting time aside for yourself and saying no to others and just having that alone time, a lot of people think that it's selfish. I I actually think that it's a necessity so that we can go on through this world without burning out. It is an essential service. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, MG, I know I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you and I know Kim as well. Um, I am just so thankful that you've been here with us and would like for others to follow your journey as well, um, social or wherever. So where can people find you? Um, people can probably find me on Instagram, which is where I live and breathe sometimes. I'm pretty open about sharing my life. So my Instagram handle is MG Rivas, R-I-V as in Victor, A-S, Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. So if you just type MG Rivas, I'll there's probably only one. Um, <laughs> so I'm there and I'm always happy to connect with other therapists or non-therapists. I really love connecting with people because it not only fulfills me, but I also feel like we are on this you know, planet to make connections and help one another in the best way we can. So if anyone ever wants to reach out or is struggling with a lot of the things that I mentioned, I'm more than happy to chat. Mm. Thank you. Thank awesome. you so much. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And for all listening, we look forward to having you in our next Resilient Conversation.